98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Thank you very much, Eric. This is where we all gather at 4 o'clock every day to go over the top stories of the day. We call it the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo show. And we start... With news from the Arizona Cardinals, the Cards and offensive guard Will Hernandez, formerly of the New York Giants, agreed to terms on a one-year contract today. Gambo, you were the first to report last week of a meeting this weekend between Hernandez and the Cardinals. Yeah, we reported last week that he was coming in over the weekend, and we said it's going to be Sunday. So he came in Sunday, they met, they liked, they spoke, they got a contract done, and now the Arizona Cardinals have a right guard. That was a second-round pick out of UTEP, and a lot of familiarity with Sean Kugler, their offensive line coach who coached him at UTEP those years. We'll talk about why that's significant a little bit later. And it's almost like a trade because heading out, offensive lineman Max Garcia, he is leaving and signing a one-year deal with the New York Giants. So it's almost like they swapped one offensive lineman for another. I will tell you this. The Arizona Cardinals did not want Max Garcia back. Okay. Nothing personal, just didn't want him back. I thought he did an okay yeah. job for them last yep. year. One more Cardinals note. According to head coach Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans, the Cardinals are expected to join the Titans for joint practices in Tennessee this offseason during training camp. Why not? No reason why not. You know what? Might lead to more slightly more physical practices, okay, right? So I mean, up against, no, no, I don't mean that in a bad thing. I, I mean that in a good way, yeah. right? You get to go up against another team and not your own team for a few get days. Get that mindset right away. You know, I mean, this they've got to do something different than just running it back the same way because of how they play so poorly in the second half of seasons. Maybe practicing with Tennessee can change some things. I'm all for it. The Arizona Diamondbacks and infielder Cattell Marte agree to a contract extension. The Athletics' Ken Rosenthal was the first to reported. The deal is for five years with $51 million in new money, valued at $76 million total for the Diamondbacks to keep their all-star second baseman. And they didn't have to do anything. They signed them with a five-year, $24 million deal. It was a very good contract for them. I think, um, and they had team options for the after this year for the next two years. So basically, had them under control for three years, but they wrap them up long-term. It's still a great contract that they decide they want to you know, trade it. A lot of people are surprised He's still here, uh, but it does reward him for the job that he's done since he's become a Diamondback. Nick Ahmed went underwent an MRI on his right shoulder. That was the same injury that kept him out for the final two weeks of last season. According to Steve Gilbert from MLB.com, the MRI was, quote, kind of inconclusive, close quote, from the standpoint that there's not a huge tear or anything like that. So they're going to continue to try to rehab it for now with Nick Ahmed. Yeah, you know, Nick, you know, there's a couple of guys on this team. I'm still kind of, you know, you look at it and say, wow, they're still here. That's Nick Ahmed and David Peralta. But they're still here. Those contracts were very untradeable last year. Nick has been a great defensive player his whole career, but he's really struggled with the bat lately, and, and hopefully he can pick that up. Big news in the NBA, and it has to do with a team the Suns potentially could face in the NBA Finals if they're fortunate enough to get there. Celtics center Robert Williams III, an anchor for the Celtics' best defense and a possible Finals opponent for the Suns, suffered a meniscus tear in his left knee. He's going to miss several weeks minimum and maybe more after further evaluation. And based off of what I'm seeing on social media, Celtics fans are gripping over this because he's a very important part of their organization. That is no question. I mean, they've got the 35-year-old Al Horford 
um, you know, who can play a little bit and and has been playing actually pretty well lately. There's no question about that. But when you you, know, you start to go up against some of these lineups, you've got some bigs, and that's going to really affect them not having him. Final four is set. You got a one. Two twos and an eight. You got a blue and you got a blood. You got a It's very blue bloody. Very blue bloody in this final four. Number one seed Kansas versus number two seed Villanova. And then number two Duke versus number eight North Carolina. My, I'm not going to lie. My interest waned greatly this weekend in... First of all, I was with baseball all weekend with my kids, so we were gone all weekend. But my interest in watching those games with Arizona out well, and my bracket sucking was not that. Was and let's be honest, the games weren't very good this weekend. Oh, the, the games were. Oh, St. Peter's got blown out. Miami got blown out. It, the games were not. They were not great. They were not yeah. great games this weekend for the Elite Eight becoming the Final Four. But we'll see if the Final in, Four delivers. But even even before the games, my interest in watching them with Arizona out, it's just like big letdown with Arizona being out. Devin Booker. Named the NBA's Western Conference Player of the Week, he averaged thirty-seven, Jeez. six, and three. Right. While the team went undefeated last week, his book is ramping up for the postseason, and the Suns are as well. They announced they'll be holding road game rallies for fans to attend at Footprint Center starting April eighth. You remember the uh, the the ESPN woman who kind of you know had those ridiculous takes on Devin Booker for MVP? I do. Yes, can't remember her name, but we have a guy that uh, sent the message to Matt Barnes who was sitting next to her. A guy named Benton Shahan. He sent me. He just sent me the screenshot of his conversation with Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes said, I had to let her speak her piece, but she spoke so long she took my rebuttal time away. D-Book is a killer, should be in the top five MVP convo. So Matt Barnes responded to this guy. said, man, how did you let her say all of these things? And he said, she spoke so long she took my rebuttal time away. Wow, that's I didn't funny. have the time to respond because that, the time for the segment was up. And of course, that leads us right into our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Philly. Harden on the left side. Harden into the lane. Bounce it. It's picked off. The steal belongs to Bridges. Throw it up to Booker. Booker to Aiden. In the corner to Crowder. A three. Shazam! Wow! A team that had everything to play for. Up 15 at one point in the second quarter against the Phoenix Suns. A team that had nothing to play for. (laughs) Nothing to gain. And at the end, it doesn't matter. The Phoenix Suns take another really good team in the NBA and wear them down to the nub in the fourth quarter and beat them by 10. Ho-hum, yeah. the 61st win of the season for the Phoenix Suns against a really good Philadelphia 76er team. Yeah, and they knocked the Philadelphia 76ers into fourth place instead of first place in the East. So they were first place in the East. Now they're fourth. That game meant to say that game meant everything to Philly. That game meant everything to Philly. Absolutely. They went from first place to fourth place in the East. There's four teams separated by half a game: Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, and Philly. You don't think Philly was playing their asses off to win that game? They come out and they jumped the Phoenix Suns in the first quarter. They scored was it 39 points in the first 39 quarter? 39 points in the first quarter. I mean, quarter. it was just you know they were they were playing, were rebounding the basketball. They were playing so well in that basketball game. So a 39 points in the first quarter. They out, by halftime, they were out-rebounding Phoenix 24-15. to 15. They were giving it everything they had. Everything they had. But in the end, it's not enough. Because the Phoenix Suns are just too good. They're too good. It just doesn't matter. The Phoenix Suns got nothing to play for, and they still beat you. I mean, that was... It's incredible. Like, I mean, every time you think, okay, maybe the Suns will... You know, maybe the Suns will take this game off or they'll take it easy. It just doesn't happen. This team just hates to lose. It's not even that they're going to take it off, but at some point, you, you, you watch and you go, man, okay, they're down 15 against Philly. They're just not going to be able to make this up. 
right? And I know they were down 15 early in the game. It's not like it was late in the contest. But even in a moment where they're down 15 against one of the best teams in the NBA, you think that eventually that's going to burn them at some point. Eventually they're just in every, just about every single time. They find a way. They gather themselves. They, they tighten up the screws defensively. They play better over the course of the game. And this idea that they just wear out the opposition, it's legit because by the fourth quarter, the level of frustration by the opposition over what they can't stop the Phoenix Suns from doing, it's palpable. I mean, it, it, it's just, and you can see it settling into the game where the Suns are getting whatever they want, whenever they want, even in the course of that fourth quarter yesterday. Philly goes on a little 8 nothing run to cut the game to one point with about five minutes to go. It took the Suns about 90 seconds bang, to regain bang, bang. control of that game. Yep. Just like that, and, and one, it was done. It's a one-point game with 4.42 left. Book has a three-point play. DA hits a rolling flip shot. Paul hits a mid-range jumper. Philly calls timeout. DA hits a free throw. Paul hits a run, and McHale, McHale steals the ball from Harden, passes it to Book, who passes it to DA, who finds Jay Crowder in the corner for a three. Ball game. Ball game. 114-102, minute and a half left. Game's over. That's yep. it. That's what they do to you. I mean, that's just what that's what they do to you. And we also have to have a conversation about one Mikel Bridges. In three games against the Suns this year, James Harden is shooting 12 for 45. That's about 28%. Mikel is on him most of the time. Last night, in, or yesterday, in the game, James Harden was 2 for 11. He was 0 for 6 in the second half. And I'm telling you, I don't think James Harden's going to be a difference maker for the Philadelphia 76ers. I just don't. I, I, I You know me. I never liked that trade for I a, think it was worth a shot from Philadelphia's perspective. I still perspective. think it's worth a shot. Because I just think his energy and his effort and his intensity and his attention, it really wanes. Talking about James tr- Harden. I now. think you try to win with Embiid until you get to the point where you can't, and then you trade Embiid. If you can't win with them, then you trade them and you get something for them and you start over. Because if you can't win with them, what's the use of just keeping them? I mean, you tried. I mean, this is a this is an all-out effort to try to win with Joel Embiid, who's an unbelievable player. Um, I mean, even, even last night, like comes down on Book's foot, he gets hurt, but then comes back into the game. And he's just a tough kid. He's a warrior. I like him. I think Embiid is a hell of a player. Um, but I think it was worth it to go after Harden just to give it a shot. The East is just so tough, though. I mean, anybody can come out of the East. Yeah, I know. And it was, I was trying to make it more about Mikel than I was about James Harden. I, I just, I never, I never looked at that move and thought Harden was like the piece that was going to unlock everything for Felix. I think, I just think he, as a player, man, sometimes he really comes and goes. As for the Suns, at 61 wins now on the season. One more win. They tie the franchise record for most wins in a single season. It's just going to take two more to break it. They have seven games left on the season. If they win out, they'll end up with 68 wins on the year and a 15-game win streak to go into the postseason. Now, I don't think they're going to win out. But the question now is, is it going to be... Would you bet against them? I No. No. I don't, no. no. I wouldn't. What department says they're gonna they're gonna win out, Burns? You want to bet them? I wouldn't bet them. I certainly wouldn't buy them pizza the way you did. That's for sure. Um, no, you'd have to buy it if they if they if they went out. Like I was saying, like I just man, you say that, I say that too, right? It's unrealistic to think that they're not going to take a game off, or they're not going to play well. But this team, man, like I said, it's art over science. They they've got all the sophisticated ways to test the players and see what they're like. But if Monty says to the players, "Hey, what do you want to do?" and the players are like, "We want to play," you know, at some point Monty may overrule them in the last game or two. But if they want to play, they're going to play. Yeah. Will Hernandez had an opportunity to push for more than a one-year contract with any team in the league. Why take the one-year deal with the Cardinals? Well, it doesn't come down to one guy, but it might have been close to coming down to one guy. 
We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, afternoons. Yeah, two for two in Wordle, Burnsy. Just got the Wordle word of the day today. Are you going to start posting uh, it on Twitter like every other person in the world? No, does? I haven't posted it once. I did it yesterday for the first time. Got it. Did it today. Got it. Makes me feel smart. Yesterday, numb. although yesterday, like I didn't, you know, I really didn't know what the word was because um, I never, I never heard of the word. So my daughter's trying to tell me like it's Greek, Greek mythology, and um, like I've never heard of it. The word yesterday was nymph. I know like nymph with an O at the end, but I don't know nymph. So I don't know what a nymph is. I had no idea. It's some ancient Greek folklore. I never heard of it. So I was uh, like, uh-huh. like you know, I understand that word if you put an O on the end of it, but I don't understand the word without the O. Bernsey and I just did a simultaneous face palm. Yeah, true. I've right. never heard Seriously. of a nymph. The, the emoji, the yeah. face palm emoji, I just did a dramatic reenactment of it. The kind that would win me an Academy Award. Uh, and I wouldn't and go, a slap in the face. I wouldn't go slap the presenter either. I would gladly accept oh. my award and there'd be no physical violence whatsoever. Um... Why, why Why? is your family trying to get you on Wordle? Don't want me to do stuff for my brain. Oh, so this is a brain thing? It makes you think. Yeah, it makes you makes you try to make your, your brain. Do they not know that you talk for four hours every day? Well, yeah, but I don't have a large vocabulary. That, that, that's, like, kind of my, not, that's kind of my point is, is that, you know, it's not for a professional talker. You're not exactly a wordsmith. I don't know if Wordle is the is the uh, I got the correct appropriation of resources here, Gambo. I guess is what I'm saying. You know? I got I got today's. Right. It was found five hundred words are right up his alley, though. I'll be honest. <laughs> You're gonna give a spoiler alert on Wordle? It was found. F O U N D. I got it. <laughs> well, I don't care if I spoiled it for you. Con- I got it right. Congratulations, two for Gambo. Two. You're two for two. Yeah. Nymph and found. How humble of you not to tweet it out, but to bring it up on a national radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, seriously, right? That's right. There are people. I'm sure people will be uh, giving you grief on Twitter for yeah. bringing it up. Well, the Arizona Cardinals. I, I don't know if anybody over there is playing Wordle or not, but I know they're playing free agency, and that was a horrible transition. But it was the best I could do. <laughs> I liked it. It was it okay? It was, it, was, right. it was the best I could do. It wasn't great. Yeah. Will Hernandez signed a one year deal today with the Cardinals, the offensive lineman formerly of the New York Giants. A guy Gambo had reported would be in for a visit this weekend. We all expected him to sign. And he did today a one year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. And in his own words, Gambo, when he not only met with the media, but then went on with Wolf and Luke today, he talked a lot about his relationship with Sean Coogler as being one of the driving forces for why he's here. First of all, me and Coach Coogler have a great relationship. Um, We're very tight. We respect one another. Um, You know, and and, and to be honest with you, he's one of the biggest reasons why I even made it into the NFL in the first place. Uh, He took me into UTEP and more. Holding me to the player that 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 I am, and uh, I I uh, I have a lot to thank that guy for. So, what better way to come out here and uh, bust my butt for him and the team? Yeah, you know, high second round pick too, thirty fourth thirty fourth overall selection, two thousand eighteen. Had a great rookie season, coming off all that time with Sean Coogler at UTEP. Struggled after that. I mean, look, he allowed seven sacks, thirty six pressures last year in his four year career with the Giants. He gave up fifteen sacks and one hundred twenty one pressures. So let's be honest, okay? It's not like the Giants are high are signing a you know a Pro Bowl guard for four years and eighty million dollars. That has this this isn't like when they got Rodney Hudson last year, right. okay? When they got Rodney Hudson last year, you're like, oh, my God. Like, he doesn't give up any sacks. doesn't give up any pressures. 
He kills people. He's a killer. You get a guy, he was, I mean, the difference between Rodney Hudson and getting Will Hernandez is night and day. Now, you're hoping with that Hernandez reunited with Kugel. I think it's a good move for the Cardinals. He's a big physical guy. And if he reunited with Kugler, I think Kugler's going to get the most out of him. I think he's going to get his career back on track. I like the move, mainly because of the familiarity with Kugler, who coached him at UTEP for all those years. But the difference between this and Rodney Hudson last year, when they got Rodney Hudson, you're like... He just got like the um, like the best center or the second best center in the whole league. Well, yeah, and, and that's and honestly, that's kind of what the difference is between what the Cardinals did last off season and what they're doing this off season. Last off season was nothing but big moves. Last off season, the whole off season, right, felt like one big move after another, one big name after another. Even the small moves last off season. Think about it, James Conner, right. Yes. Was a very familiar name. It was a small deal in terms of the years and the money, but that's a big recognizable name. A.J. Green, Colt big McCoy. recognizable name. Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy. big recognizable name. One, two games for and, him. And that's ignoring the two biggies, which were J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson. It stands in complete contrast to what the Cardinals have done this offseason, right? So th- this offseason has all been about small moves, that the fan base, it's hard to know how to react to them because they're not big. They're not like crazy, wow, that guy, that guy's great. You know, they're not names like that. And I think, I I, I hope it's a good thing for the Cardinals, but I keep thinking, Gambo, and I was asking the question a whole bunch going into free agency. Four years in a row, the Cardinals had done something big and bold in the offseason. They haven't done anything big or bold so far. This off. Is, is that the right play? I don't know. No, I think most we'll fans find are, out. I don't know about you. Most fans that I, I'm dealing with are extremely unhappy with the offseason so far. Yes. But the reality, and here's the reality. I don't have the exact numbers on this, but at some time I had seen it. There's a much higher, there's a, a, a really high chance at, at not having success in getting free agents from other teams. It's a really high rate. You only hit on like maybe a third of the players that you sign a free agency or a hit. But if you sign your own free agent player, there's a much better chance that you're going to hit on your own free agent guy. You know, like you said, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. So it is a huge risk to go out there and get, you know, does anybody think that the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Christian Kirk is going to be a good move for them? I mean, they're paying him a lot of money to be a number one guy. I, I don't know that I I'll like ever Christian be able Kirk, to... but I don't think he's going to be the difference between them, yeah. you know, winning five games and them winning eleven games and winning yeah, the division. Got to no. overpay to get somebody to go to Jacksonville. The chances of you signing a bust in free agency are high, really, really high. So, um, for whatever the approach this year, the approach is to sign their own guys, fill in some holes with cheaper free agents, and uh, I don't think they're done in free agency by any stretch of the imagination. I fully expect that they're going to continue and get a wide receiver that might be next and maybe even an edge rusher all that will be harder but i i just don't think that you're going to see any of the big name signings here no and so if you're looking for bold if you're looking for jj watt rodney hudson or if you were looking for you know deandre hopkins like they did two years ago it's it's become very very obvious that's not what this offseason is going to be about now maybe they do something bold on draft night that's always a possibility, but after four straight years of big, bold offseason moves, and by that I'm talking about trading up to get Josh Rosen, then following that up by drafting Kyler Murray, then trading for DeAndre Hopkins, and then acquiring J.J. Watt, this offseason has been quiet, so quiet, so not bold. The very Is it extension for Kyler Murray bold? Not really. No. Okay, just asking. No, I, I don't. Asking. I don't think so. You give somebody two hundred million dollars to be your quarterback. That's not, okay. Just asking. 
No, stick with it. I mean, I probably would agree with you that it's not bold. Uh, I was going to say, do you think it is? I was. No, I mean, because everything you've done is outside the organization. Everything you've mentioned is going out to get somebody outside the organization. Now, what if they what if they pulled off a draft day trade? That could be bold. Okay. I mean, there's still pl- that's still... there's still time for bold. Yeah, right. but free agency okay. bold. That train has left the station. Steve, There's really nothing left free agency-wise for them to do that's bold. Steve Kime signs a free agent edge rusher who had five and a half sacks last year. Or I tell you he's going to make a trade with his second-round pick for an edge rusher. Which would you rather have? Trade the second-round pick for an yeah. edge rusher. So don't rule that out, right? Don't rule that out. No, you're that, right. That's a possibility. And that'd be bold. And that, but that qualify it. But that includes the draft, right? It just seems like free agency-wise... Like there's only one name out there at a position of need for the Cardinals that feels like a bold move, and that's so Davian Clowney. He's the only one. Other than that, well, I don't believe has ever had ten sacks in a season. I, I just don't know if there's anything else that's bold out there for them to be done in terms of signing a free agent. Yeah, there's still big names. Don't get me wrong. OBJ's talking, still out there. Tyron Matthew's still out there. But you're talking bold in in just overall off season, not just bold in free agency. You're right. You're right. I am because those moves were not all free agency. You're right. And that you just mentioned. And again, I want to clarify. That's why I'm saying. I think the bold move in free agency, I don't think there's a bold move out there for them to do. Right. The bold move now is the draft. And to your point, do you use a draft asset in a trade to go get somebody else's pass go rusher get, right maybe now? Maybe go get your edge rusher. And there. maybe that's what you do. And if they traded a second-round pick for an edge rusher right now, a proven guy who puts up good numbers, then I think the fan base would go, ah, ah, there it is. I almost that's prefer, what we were I waiting for. I that. I almost prefer that Steve based Kimes on really good at that. But based on the names that are available right now, listen, if there's a team that is absolutely has depth has depth at edge rushers and absolutely loves a guy in the second round and you could trade your second round pick for an edge rusher, yeah. I almost prefer that over signing a free agent. We've got the Burns and Gambo show podcasts. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone and your Android and we promise you will never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo show podcast and it's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highest price Dot com. Even if your bracket didn't turn out as you hoped this season, the teams that make up the Final Four are about as top of the line as they come in March Madness. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Uh, interesting news from the NBA. Paul George now questionable to play for the LA Clippers tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz. Why is that interesting? The Suns could very well be playing the LA Clippers in the play-in round, or the first round, I should say. Not the the, I, hope, I hope the Suns aren't in the play-in round. Not the round. round. I meant the, I meant the first happened? round of the playoffs. Um, not that I'm afraid yeah. of the LA Clippers, but that will be a nice boost for them to get. Now, maybe it's enough of a boost that the Clippers beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in the play-in game, and the Suns could potentially get Minnesota or possibly the Pelicans. In the first round of the playoffs, but the Clippers are on the verge of getting Paul George back again. I don't fear any of those teams at all, but the closer we get to this, the more we're going to start paying attention, I think, to Minnesota or the Clippers or the Pelicans or maybe the Lakers, because there's a the Suns first round opponent is probably coming from one of those four teams. There is a I have a hard time saying this, but. We all feel the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. Yes. And that they, like, it's almost destined that they should win the NBA championship this year, or at the very least get to the NBA finals. 
But like I look at these I look at these playoffs and I'm like, man, I mean, I just like I'm not really thinking about them like losing a series. I'm kind of more like thinking like I wonder how many games they're going to lose through the course of the Western Conference playoffs. Like, you know, they swept Denver last year. They took care of the Lakers in six games. Took care of the Clippers in six Clippers games. Clippers in six games. So they were 12-2 and two going into the NBA Finals. They were four. No, four. They had four losses. 12-4. and four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 12-4. and four Yeah, like if going you, into did, the NBA Finals. you did an over-under on will they lose before the NBA Finals? Will they lose more than four games? Man, I would just take the under. Like... And I know, I listen, I know, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, don't jinx it. He's where you sell. My God, yeah. Like, this team is so freaking good. Yeah. Like, they're just so good. I mean, I, and I know you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves, and you got to worry about injuries. And But I, I just, there's just no fear that this team can lose to anybody in the Western Conference. I don't have a lot of fear. It's more interest in who it's going to be, which is actually what our Twitter poll question of the day is about today, because it could be the Lakers or not. Here's Eric with an update. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Could be the Lakers. Will it be the Lakers or are we rooting for a different outcome? Eric, what do you have for us? Today? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the question today. Burnsy uh, Lakers are at the bottom of the play in tournament. Just about one game out from falling out of it. So the question is, when it comes to the Lakers in the playoffs, what do you want to happen to them? You want them to make it and match up against the Suns so they can get the daylight beat out of them? Or you want them to miss it so all Lakers fans can cry and suffer in harmony? Um, You know what I want. I want to play the Lakers and humiliate them. I want to drag them through a 12-round fight and beat the hell out of them and leave them bloodied and battered and bruised and just enjoy every second of it. I'm with you. I would like them to not even make the playoffs at all. Not at all. Is it still running about 75-25? Yeah, it's a 73.6% say miss it and let them suffer. 26.4% say make it and let the Suns beat them. Right now, the Lakers are the 10th seed in the Western Conference. That is the last spot for the play-in tournament. The San Antonio Spurs are one game back of the Lakers for that last spot. And the Pelicans, who are at 9, and the Spurs, who are at 11, both have the tiebreaker over the Lakers. Both have the tiebreaker. So if there's a tie, the Lakers would Lakers lose out. to either one of those teams. Yeah, they can't afford to end up, to end up tied with either one of them. And for, uh, <laughs> for what it's worth, the people do want a lemonade stand bet. If, uh, oh, I saw that you put that and, out. Uh, yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, Mitch put that up. They 77% say yes. If they match up, if it's a Cam Johnson versus Mikhail Bridges bet again, they want to see Lemonade Stand Part 3 because they actually already did it twice. Yeah, it'd be the, the Super Bowl rematch in terms of Cam Johnson's North Carolina Tar Heels versus uh, the Villanova Wildcats of Mikhail Bridges, which, beautifully done, Eric, seamlessly transitions us into the Final Four, which is all set after four relatively lackluster games on Saturday and Sunday to determine the Final Four. And again, congratulations to St. Peter's going what a, what a run. going where no one has gone before as a 15 seed. As far okay, Star as Trek. Exactly. <laughs> as far as 15 seed has ever gone before, St. Peter's got all the way to the Elite Eight, yep. but then against North Carolina, and it was very obvious early on that they yeah. were just not equipped to take no, on North Carolina. First 15 seeds ever make the Elite Eight. Major upsets over Kentucky-Purdue. Murray State had a 21-game winning streak when they played them. They bleed them. Uh, they beat them. I mean, they killed people's brackets. 
Kentucky, you know, all the teams that they had to, you know, Purdue, they just killed brackets. I mean, what a run. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if we ever see that program again. Like, I mean, are they, you know, and what happens to that coach who did such a great job? Like, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And beating Purdue the way they did at the end of that game, like, uh, I got, I got a friend, Nick Middleton, a good friend of mine. Our kids play baseball together. His son Blake and my son Quinton, and he's a huge Purdue guy, went to Purdue, and God, he was just, he was a torture, just torture. By, by losing that game to St. Peter's. And I had that taped, actually, and I went back and I watched the end of it to see, like, the last two minutes of the game when St. Peter's hit, like, six free throws in a row. And uh, there was a terrible foul on a Purdue player on a loose ball. He kind of ran into one of the St. Peter's players. It was a close game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a close game right to the end. And then Purdue just made a couple of big mistakes, and St. Peter's hit all their free throws. What a great win for them to get to the Elite Eight. And, you know, you'll never forget that team, right? Like, that's one of those teams you're just not going to forget St. Peter's. No, and not when they're the most successful Cinderella, basically, in the history yeah. of the tournament. Of it, yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they didn't win yeah, the five years from now. But... Hey, there was a 15 seed that made it to the Elite Eight. Who was it? I don't think any of us will be like, well, I, don't, I don't remember. No, I, I 10 years from I'll, now, I'll remember. I'll remember 10 years, sure. 10 years from now. This final four, though, is about as blue bloodiest as they get. Um, it is Duke, it is North Carolina, it is Kansas, it is Villanova. Who are you rooting uh, for? Who am I rooting for? You know what? Give me Nova. I am rooting. Give me Nova. This, you might hate this. You're probably going to hate this, Duke. Yeah, I'm rooting for yeah. Duke. Yeah. I'd like to see Kate. I'd like to see Coach K get one on I'm his not way gonna out. Fault you for it. I mean, I, I don't because I don't have any problem with him. I don't have any problem with them. I don't dislike them the way some people do. And it'd be it'd be a hell of a story for him to walk off as a national champion. For him to retire as a national champion, I think that would make for a hell of a story. I find myself rooting for it. Coach K's been coaching since we were kids. I know. I was kids since his hair was naturally black. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Wait, it used to be naturally. Yeah, black? it's well. I'm I'm guessing unless he was dying it back then. The fact that it hasn't changed one shade in thirty years. I'm guessing it was naturally. He black and Kelvin then. Sampson know the same guy, right? I was, in, <laughs> I was in junior high when he started coaching it too. I know, I know. Like, I'm going to be fifty six years old this year. He he was coaching at Duke. I was in junior high school. It, it, this is how blue blood this Final Four is. 61 combined Final Four births between these four schools. That's insane. 17 combined national championships. 21% of the titles ever decided have been won by either Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, me, or Villanova. Give me one team you don't want to win it. Kansas. Me too. Kansas. Like, I wouldn't mind but seeing Hubert Davis in his first year win it at NC. I'm okay, I'm okay with Kansas because of Remy. Yeah, well, you know what? For it's, me, not, it's Remy Martin. I don't even, want Remy Martin to win. It's not even so much a Remy. It's it's Bill Self and all those rules violations they had a few years ago and how he was able to kind of wriggle off the hook with that a little bit. And you bit. guys gave us Marquise Morris and Josh Jackson. I don't want Kansas to win. There's that too. You know, guys, you gave us... Look at the Kansas guys that we got. There's that, too. Wasn't Kendall Marshall? No, what was Kendall Marshall? He was North Carolina. North Carolina. He was, he was North Kansas Carolina. Guys. That's yeah. right. Yeah. If there's one team I don't want it to see, it's, it's but it really doesn't have anything to do with Remy. I'm not rooting for him, but I don't... Hey, it, look what happens when you don't go to ASU. You can play in the final <laughs> form and win a national championship. Yeah, no thank you. I'm rooting for Coach K. Who are you rooting for? Are you? Who do you want to win? Nova. You want Nova to win? Nova. Any particular reason why? Big East. Oh, oh. yeah. That's right. You're an East guy. Um... 
the final four this Saturday, and like I say, it is it is historic, iconic, these four schools and what they bring to the table. So we'll have more on that over the course of the week. Big the, East, baby. The Diamondback season opener, fast approaching. They have assured themselves one key guy is going to be there for this opening day and several more opening days in the future. We'll tell you all about Cattell Marte signing a contract extension next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo. Monday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo show. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. And of all the things that we were expecting to talk about today, I mean, some of these things you can just kind of think ahead and go, okay, we're going to be talking about Sun Sixers. Check. Will Hernandez, Gambo had reported last week that the offensive lineman was in for a visit, so it's not a surprise to see that he signed. Check. Final four is set. Yeah, we knew we were going to be talking about that. A Cattell Marte contract extension with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Got to admit, took me by surprise a little bit. It was it was sort of a, oh. Like, why? He's on the contract this year and next year and the year after. He got two club options for the next two years. Why do you got to resign Cattell Marte? I think they wanted to reward the player. I mean, he obviously signed a very below market value deal. They got him at five years and $24 million. And obviously, he couldn't pass that up. But he's definitely played well enough to where they felt like, okay, we want to reward him. Lock him up a little bit longer term. You made an interesting point, too. You know, the Diamondbacks won 50-something games last year. They didn't go out there and you know spend a lot of money. Their payroll's under $100 million. It's, it's not you know, what some other teams spend, 50, 60, 70. It's, not, it's, you know, it's somewhere in the $90 million range is what their payroll is. But they didn't really do anything that moved the needle. You got Ian Kennedy. You got Mark Melanson. You didn't really do anything that moves the needle nope. for the Diamondback fans coming off of a, team, a season in which you won 50 games and you were out of it very, very early. So locking up Cattell Marte, and to your point about like how many good prospects, They've got a good group of prospects in the organization, and you know maybe you want to make sure Cattell sticks around. So when these guys are ready to come, you know you've got a a bona fide you know star player on your team. The, look, I have a phrase that I like to use, and you know me, you've worked with me a lot. The the next great Diamondbacks team, the next great Suns team. How many how many times would you and I have conversation about the next great Suns team, and and is this player going to be on it? Is that player going to be on it? And I think we can start to have that conversation about the Diamondbacks a little bit. Because, no, they're not going to be very good this year. I think they're over-under on wins, at least on one website I saw, was like 65 this year. And, no, they were terrible last year. They were the worst record in Major League Baseball last year, or second worst. I can't remember. They're not expected to be very good. But they do have one of the best farm systems in Major League Baseball. And they have guys, some of whom are further away than others, but they also have some guys who are on the cusp of becoming potentially everyday players here in the bigs. So you start thinking about the next great Diamondbacks team. And if we're being honest, it's probably two to three years away, right? Given these young guys and what they've got. They looked around, I would guess, and looked at Cattell Marte and decided... We want to make sure Cattell Marte, who's still going to be in the prime of his career two, three years from now, he's going to be, what, 30, 31 years old. We want to make sure Cattell Marte is the anchor of the next great Diamondbacks baseball team. And I think by doing this, you've assured yourself that at least you've got a chance of that, right? Whereas if you let him walk after this team-friendly contract he signed a few years ago was done, he might walk right onto somebody else's roster, and you wouldn't really have that cornerstone guy to be a part of it, to be the anchor of all of it three years from now. If I asked you who is the face of the Dimebacks franchise, 
right now. Who is the face of their franchise? Uh, I think casual baseball fan says Cattell, hardcore baseball fan says Zach Gallen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's Cattell Marte. He's been here longer. He's been, I think he was an all-star. I think it's him. And Gallon gets, Gallon just doesn't pitch a whole lot. He's been hurt a whole lot. He, how many, Zach, like if you, you want to look up something that's amazing, like we think so much of Zach Gallon, and I do too. Um, his career wins, the amount of wins that he has in, in his entire career is 10. He has ten career wins in his in his in his entire career. Zach Allen has won ten baseball games. So, like to think that that guy's the face of the franchise. I mean, come okay, on, it's fair. He's got ten wins it's in fair. his entire career. He's been pitching in the major leagues since 2019. He has ten wins. I think Cattell Marte is the face of the franchise. I, in my opinion, this is mine. I understand you're you're Gallon. I understand it. I don't even know like who would be second. Like like you say, Gallon. I don't even know who would be second. Peralta's on his way out. Ahmed, like, those guys are older, and I don't think they're the face of the franchise anymore. Um, I don't know who, who would be the second face of this franchise. Who would it be, would it be Mad Bum? Just because he's so oh, recognizable. Man. I mean, he's, Maybe. He, uh, he's so recognizable that I think it might be, I think to answer your question, it might be Madison Mumgarner. I, I mean, it's not Carson Kelly. It's not... Not Christian Luke Walker, Weaver, it's not, not Luke Christian Weaver, Walker, it's, it's, nope, it's not David Peralta, it's no. not... I, I, I mean, who you, like, who is it? Yeah. It's, I, I, it's not I, Josh Rojas. I think it might be Madison Mumgarner. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, think there's, I think there's a big drop-off. Like, he's your face of the friend. Like, if you're selling, if you're putting somebody on a brochure, it's him. You want to sell tickets to fans? You want to say, could some key, come see Cattell Martin? I don't know how many people look at Cattell Martin. I want to go see him play. But he's a very good baseball player. Look, I got my tickets for opening day. I purchased them today. I got tickets for opening day. I bought my tickets today for opening day. I, you know, I, I always, you know, my family always goes to opening day. They love opening day. It's 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 a great tradition, and we love baseball. So I bought I bought tickets for the game. You know, so my wife and kid can go and uh, enjoy the game. So um, and then me and you are going to be there. I think we'll be we'll be on the field before the game, and then we'll be at the game. So I look forward to it. But I, man, I think it's far and away could tell Marte. Well, uh, whatever it is, five years, seventy six million dollar extension is what he got today. Basically, they had team options for next year and the year after, and they kind of guaranteed those in, locked those in, and then added a couple more years on top of that. According to John Heyman's Twitter account, he passed the physical, and there could be a press conference about this. Maybe be as early as tomorrow. Look, I mean, it's not a it's not a bad move, but I, I think most Diamondback fans who were kind of aware of what was going on with the team probably would have thought it was more likely Cattell Marte got dealt this offseason than got extended this offseason. Right? Like I if think you, a lot of people are surprised he's still here yeah, now. If you were taking a straw poll of Diamondback fans, I think the majority of them would say, I would have thought he would have been traded first, not extended. But by extending him, they've put themselves in a position that they keep their franchise cornerstone, their face, if you will, around for a few more years so that when the next generation of really good Diamondback players come up, he's here. Or for he, that. Th- this, this is still a, if he plays well enough, it's not like a team's going to look at that contract and be overwhelmed by it. Doesn't, this doesn't mean you can't trade him. It's still a very fair, fair. deal fair. to trade Cattel Marte if at some point you know he's doing well and the team's not and you want to move him. I think more than anything, what we'll all be looking for out of Cattel Marte to see if he can bounce back to... I mean, he had a decent year last year when he played. He had hamstring injuries most of the year. He only played about mm, a little more than half the time or so. His numbers were good. In 2019, his numbers were spectacular. 32 home 
home runs. He had 329. He had a slugging percentage of nearly 600. And that year he finished fourth in the MVP voting. The hope is that by making second base his permanent position and not bouncing him back sure. and forth between center and second, that maybe you can ease up on that hamstring a little bit because it obviously cost him a bunch of games. Speaking of injuries, uh, here is Tori Lavello, who spoke earlier today about Nick Ahmed. This is the latest on Nick. Nick um, was examined, um, had some imaging, and there's some right shoulder inflammation, and he's in the process of getting some second opinion. So I don't want to set a timeline on that. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but um, I'll keep you posted as we continue to progress through this. So shoulder injury that he went for an MRI on, said the MRI was inconclusive, that according to Steve Gilbert of MLB.com. So it sounds like now second opinion for Nick Ahmed, which has me a little concerned about Nick Ahmed. Yeah, Just I, sharing I, I that think we you. were concerned for, about Nick Ahmed even coming into the season. I mean, I think that they would have liked to have traded Nick, Nick Ahmed last year at the trade deadline, but there's just no interest in a player who hit 221 last year. He hit 220, yes. Oh, Nick Ahmed's a really nice defensive player. Great, but he hit 221. and So he's not, he's a career 236 hitter, so... You know, it's a, it, and unfortunately, this isn't the 70s and the 80s where you can, 60s, where you can get away with having a great defensive shortstop who can't hit. Everybody wants guys that can hit a little bit. So, uh, Nick had a really, really down year last year. He's 32 years old. And I think that, you know, they would have liked to have moved him, but there was just no interest in trading for him. What is the Suns' plan for the remainder of the season? And by plan, I don't mean, you know, are they going to try to win or lose? They're clearly going to try to win as many games as they can. But in terms of resting guys what is the plan Monty was asked about it over the weekend you'll hear what he had to say coming up on the Burns and Gambo show